coming off the top of the cage. It is the top of the cage podcast. I am Billy. I am here with Juice Cannon. Juice, how are we doing tonight? I am doing uh, excellent. So, Billy, let's just jump right into it. We got a lot to talk about tonight. So, last last episode, we had Chase DeMonte, the owner, wrestler of uh, Chaotic Wrestling. We talked about his show that's this Friday, and we will be at that show, Haunting in Tewksbury. And uh, it's an exciting show. It's going to have Ace Austin and the Ace Austin versus Brad Cashew. Uh, JT Dunn is having, I don't know if it's a title match, but he is facing a champion backup panoptic title. Uh, well, the panoptic champion. I'm not sure if it's a title match. Um, the two tag team title matches that uh, Chase talked about last time, which is the unit versus Love in the City. Well, it's, a, it's MSP versus the unit. And then the winner of that ma- title match will face Love in the City later tonight. And then the other match is Davian versus Anthony Green. And then I'm sure there will be a few other matches as well. Um, but the main thing we want to talk about with Chaotic is in, even Haunting Tuxbury, which I'm excited to go with you and see what it's all Chaotic is all about in person. Chaotic released a trailer for a documentary that about women's wrestling in Chaotic and um, the challenges of making it relevant, making it not just, well, Alicia Edwards' impact star's wording in the trailer is make it not the popcorn match, not the match the fans go to get popcorn, but the women's match is being a real centerpiece of the card. And I say Chaotic's doing a pretty good job at that because uh, their, their, their face of their company, their heavyweight champion is Davian, the woman. And uh, or just say wrestler, and um, they also have the Panoptic Championship, which is held by Becca. Woman, re- the woman wrestler is a huge focal point. They're all about just wrestling. Uh, there's no separate division really besides tag team and singles um, and chaotic. And I'm ex- it looks like a really well done doc documentary. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, Billy, what's your takeaways about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for a good documentary, honestly. This one looks to be really interesting. I think that talking with Chase last week as well, you know, we want to take the word intergender out of it all. You know, we want them to all be known as wrestlers. And I think that what Chaotic is doing in this documentary, especially, is is just kind of putting that all to the forefront, you know, really putting their money where their mouth is, that they really are all in on these women. And just from what we've seen on Davian, she was on uh, AEW Dark, for those of you who do not know. You know, and, and just seeing her going against Anthony Green as well, another guy who was on AEW recently taking the, the death drop from Sting. It's it's crazy to see that that they're putting women in these such powerful positions, these, you know, highlight matches on their cards where, you know, historically women's wrestling has been the popcorn match, like she said. It's it's great to see. I'm, I'm very excited. I for sure am excited to see that release, and I'm sure – in a future podcast, we will definitely dissect it, break it down, and talk about some of the bigger messages and meanings that it's looking to present. I definitely really want to try to get uh, Davey on the podcast on the future for interview, so we'll try to make that happen. So, Davey, if you're listening, we want you. Yeah, you can just contact us to make it easy. Let's move into some impact talk. Now, 
Bill, I do actually, before I go into the impact news title, I actually want to talk about some else that's impact related, just really quickly. Um, they're also having, this Saturday, they're having Knockouts Knockdown is returning, and it's a women's tournament. Uh, eight people in the tournament. Um, the winner of the tournament will have future women Knockouts Championship opportunity. And it's mainly just uh, people that aren't even with the company officially. So it seems like a, it's a loaded it's a loaded uh, card for the event this Saturday. And it's um, Mercedes Martinez is in the tournament. Tasha Steeles, which is uh, one of my favorite, like lesser known women's wrestlers or just wrestlers in general. Uh, Brandy Lauren, who was NXT and WWE, didn't really get used much, but uh, she's in the tournament as well with her interesting horror horror lady gimmick because she's like a disciple of Sue Young who Sue Young is like the female fiend but Sue Young used the fiend gimmick for the fiend very wide did it. um yeah Brandy Lauren uh Renee Michelle Drake Maverick's wife is in it indie wrestler called Lady Frost who I hear nothing but good things about uh she's been in AW like dark matches a couple times Rachel Anring who is Chris Heroes or Cassius Ono's wife and three others, which I will pick, just look up real quick because I have the list. Uh, yeah, also Jamie Senegal, not really that familiar with her. Chelsea Green, very familiar, former WWE person. Yeah, I actually said them all now. I was just missing those two. So yeah, should be good little, um, it's on Impact Plus on Saturday night. Should be a good little uh, mini pay-per-view. Um, I'm not sure if the the final match, the like the final match of the tournament is going to be on Knockouts Knockdown, or I, I'm under the impression that it's going to be on Bound for Glory, but I'm not positive on that. Someone can tell me what's what in that situation. And uh, let's move into the real impact talk, which is our new title, the Digital Media Championship. And I'm still kind of confused about what it's all about. The tournament with the, the championship will be at Bound it's going to be the focus of the title is going to be like it's going to be um released on impact plus youtube uh twitter and stuff like that um it's lesser known talent it seems like it's an intergender title but uh so far the only two matches announced for the tournament are both all all four men so we'll see what the next two matchups in the first round are um, I think it's an interesting idea for a title. I think Impact's good with, like, uh, their undercard titles. Um, yeah, so, Billy, I know you're not that familiar with Impact, but um, anything to add about the Digital Media Championship? No, I, I think that it's an interesting concept for a title, though. I like the name of it. I think that, again, I, I love intergender wrestling. I think that it's a very interesting dynamic. I love seeing just, you know, wrestling matchups you don't see every day. And I think that that's really what it provides. And it's interesting that it's going to kind of be similar to like a, you know, like a TV title almost, but like with digital media. And yeah, if it's kind of looking to showcase some lesser known talent, especially within Impact, hey man, I'm, I'm all for that. We love to see everybody eating. Me too. You know, I am hoping that the winner is someone that's known as um, Tennille Dashwood formal, in WWE shoes known as Emma. That's who I'm hoping wins it. I think it just makes sense. Like her gimmick and impact is that she's like the media savvy, like um, Instagram model with all the social media followers in the world. 
it just like it's the ideal title for her and i really hope that she is in the tournament and wins the whole thing you know and obviously she'd win by uh, shenanigans because she is uh you know she's a heel she's a cheater but that's who i'm rooting for the win the title if she's even in the tournament so still yet to find that out if you're rooting for her then i'm rooting for her too there's one thing i just want to mention one last quick thing about impact I just started watching like the weekly episodes again and uh, the show's really good. And they're adding a lot. There's a lot of new signings now and um, people that, that weren't there like two months ago <laughs> that are there now. And I'm excited to see where they go and what the plan is. And I'm, I'm really excited for Bound for Glory. I'm super excited. So yeah, that's it for uh, Impact Talk. Let's move on to the mainstream. Let's talk about WWE this Friday starts the king of the ring tournament and queen of the crown tournament their first uh women's king of the ring tournament equivalent uh i'll just jump in right with my predictions king of the ring uh, they haven't announced any of the competitors either yet but king of the ring i'm predicting xavier woods give me xavier woods he wants it this is his dream give him his dream big e's had just had his moment kofi's had his moment give woods his moment also for the woman um i'm rooting for i I hope that the uh, whoever wins the woman's match um i know usually heels win these tournaments so it bodes not well for both my picks you know woods is the popular pick he's a face usually this is a heel thing heel tournaments win and they stick with the gimmick i think he'd be a great king and the queen I really want. I hope she actually doesn't take the gimmick. She just wins the tournament. And it gives her a push into the main event woman scene. And that is Liv Morgan. I really love Liv Morgan. We keep getting so close to Liv Morgan pushes. And they just get snapped away from us. I just, I want to see it. I want Liv Morgan to get pushed. Do it, WWE. Stop being cowards. Give us what we want. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. I share pretty similar sentiments to you two, though. I've always been a little bit of a mark for the uh, King of the Ring, though. I, I've always thought it was so interesting. I mean, you see the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Booker T. You know, those are the big three when you really think of, you know, King of the Ring, Kings and Kings, quote unquote, in WWE. And, and we can say Sheamus and Wade Barrett if you want to, too, but I'm not going to. I completely agree, though. If Xavier Woods does not get his fucking crown, WWE, you are doing something wrong. You are just, you are sliding a man who has literally manifested this into the world for the past, like, three years. I feel like that's the only thing you hear about him talk about in his podcast. Only thing you hear about him talk about social media. Only thing you hear about him talk about, you know, other interviews and other things like that is he always wants to see the King of the Ring come back and he wants to come back and win it. Do it, WWE. No balls. I ha- I said it. You ain't got no balls, Vince McMahon. If you don't make Xavier Woods, you're king in the ring. Yeah, if you want to, like, a riot. <laughs> if he's not in the tournament, like, people are going to burn down, like, the headquarters. <laughs> uh, well, I, I won't, per- personally. But... I won't either, but I'm sure people won't be happy. I will just complain about it online like everybody else does. Yeah, I'll complain about it too, but you know, I'm sure diehards will 
some diehards will just be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the uh, king or the queen of the crown tournament, uh, I really don't have a favorite coming into it. Like you said, we don't really know who was announced yet. I think Liv is a pretty good pick to win it. Um, I think it would be interesting to see them go with somebody, maybe even like a Tony Storm too. I mean, I don't think she really necessarily needs it. I just want to see Tony Storm get pushed more than anything else. But so Tony Storm would be an excellent choice, especially if they turn to heel again. I, I love I, Tony. I love no matter what, but uh, I really like heel Tony in NXT and uh, Queen of the Crown gimmick for Tony would be for heel Tony would be great. And um, yeah, also like it doesn't seem like they can push Tony in the SmackDown Women's Championship scene right away. So making her like the queen of crown winner would be a good way to make a little side like woman story for her and get some of like the, um, let's know, like the Shotzi and Zia Lee are in SmackDown too. Um, since Shotzi got split up for Tegan for some reason. I'm a big fan of all three of them, especially Shotzi and Tony. So I'd love to see like a Shotzi, Tony storyline. Love to see Xia and uh, Tony wrestle. There's a lot you could do. I'm still pushing for Liv because I just want Liv to get her moment. I feel like she's overdue. And yeah, I think that's it for Queen and Queen King and Queen tournaments. Uh, I'm also a huge mark for these tournaments. I wish they were every single year, not like whenever WWE wants to do them. <laughs> Agreed, and that's kind of how I feel about kind of personalized pay per views in general too. Give me back Cyber Sunday. Get me back, you know, Armageddon being about like grudge blood matches, you know. Give me back pay-per-views like, you know, ha- have Hell in a Cell. I-, I-, I think Hell in a Cell is a good gimmick, but it's a good gimmick at Armageddon's or at No Mercies or at Backlashes, you know. Like it's, it's, I don't necessarily like gimmick pay-per-views when it's just, completely centralized around one common theme i like when like the gimmick is part of the theme of the pay-per-view think about new year's revolution that was like synonymous with the elimination chamber like you knew like holy shit it's wrestlemania season the champion is going to be decided by an elimination chamber match same thing with no way out too you know like you just knew whatever champion is going into wrestlemania is doing it because they got through this hard fucking match and I, WWE do, does kind of still do that now with where Elimination Chamber has been placed in its pay-per-view schedule. But again, I'm not a fan of the pay-per-view being rather on the gimmick. I'm a fan of the gimmick being involved in the theme of the pay-per-view. I agree completely. Uh, I've, been, I've been preaching bringing back um, like the special pay-per-view names and just using the gimmick ma- instead of these gimmick pay-per-view names. Um, I know NXT, some of their takeovers or uh, weekly like special episodes have brought back some of these like a Great American Bash and Halloween Havoc and things like that, uh, Vengeance Day. I think WWE needs to change some of their um, pay-per-view names to these. And sometimes like, sometimes it seems like they tried, like they had stomping grounds for like, as a, like a non-gimmick name. And then they just did away with that. I liked Roadblock too, actually. Like the legit stop on the road to WrestleMania. I liked that. I don't know. Like I thought that was interesting. I like that more than um, 
fast lane, to be honest. Agreed completely. Plus, think about like the match that the only roadblock had that Triple H versus Dean Ambrose match. That was good. They really made you believe that Dean Ambrose could probably win that match. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that too. Push, it's push job release time. I'll explain push job release for our newer listeners. This is where we, we're going to have three um, superstars, a tag team, three tag teams or three superstars, Mellow Woman, and um, you have to pick if you're going to push job release them. Push just means push all the way. They're going to be one of your top guys, a world championship holder and contender, a face of the company and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the high marketable players. Uh, job doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a jobber who only takes pins. Uh, it just means their ceiling is a mid-card championship or tag team championship holder. Um, they're never going to be in the upper card. They're not going to hold the world title and they're not going to be the focal point of your show. And release, you have to make a tough decision as a manager. You only have so much money and you have to cut one of these three guys um, and let them try out new options beyond your company. So we'll start with the first one and we're going to do the three that choose from our Young Bucks, the New Day, and the Hardy. So this is the faction slash tag team option. Billy, it is on you. God damn it. Did you get this from somebody? Did you make this one up yourself? Uh, I made this one up myself. Gotcha. Cool. I just want to make sure we shout out whoever we need to shout out if uh, they did suggest it to us. And again, if you guys want to suggest it to us, make sure you guys go to TOTC underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are loving to take your suggestions. I'm just stalling because I don't want to answer this question because I do love the Bucks. I do love the new day. And as anybody who knows the lore of this podcast knows, I fucking love the Hardy Boys. And, and we're assuming all of these are in their prime, right? Like, not like current day Hardy Boys. Like, no, no, this is this is in their prime. Um, this is when the Hardys were together. This is WrestleMania 17 Hardys, or just anytime the Hardy tag team is just together and just on the top of their game. And the same applies for the other two tag teams. Oh, I know we were talking about it a little bit before, but I think I actually have changed my idea, honestly. I think I have changed it. In terms of who I'm pushing, I am pushing the Hardy Boys. And that's just because of how innovative they were at a tag team wrestling. Think about having a young Hardy Boys again, you know, in, in a modern day company right now. Think about what they could do, how innovative they could be. You know, now that, that you know, wrestling is different, you know, styles, a lot of high-flying styles is a lot more popular now. You know, the opponents that they could have, I think, is, is really interesting. Not that the opponents they had back in their heyday were bad. I think that's part of what made them so good. But I would just love to see the Hardy Boys reinvent wrestling for a second time. And in my company, I'd, I'd push them to the top, man. Again, I would definitely make them both main eventers as well. I think that's one thing that WWE dropped the ball with is that, well, you know, Matt might have always been the kind of lacquer in the ring compared to Jeff. I still think that they both are main events talents. I think that given Matt Hardy, you know, fresh, fresh uh, before they released him for the first time, 
you know, I, I think that he was able to be in a main event feud. And and my other big issue with, with Matt Hardy being in the main event too is when Jeff Hardy lost the title to Edge at Royal Rumble when Matt Hardy interfered in that match, I just, I, I think that can all happen after the match. You know, if you want to set up Jeff versus Matt at WrestleMania, WWE, pull the fucking trigger and make that a main, make that a title match. That gives that match so much more meaning than just being brother versus brother because Matt screwed Jeff. But I digress. Again, I'm stalling. In terms of who I'm jobbing and releasing, this is tough. This is tough. This is tough. I think I'm going to have to job... Oh, I think I'm going to have to job the New Day. I just would want to keep them in my in my company. I think that they are comedic enough where if they're in that like mid-card spot that they you know, can, can be a big portion of one of them being a mid-card champion, you know, and then having the two others do their normal antics around that and still make money. You know, I think that regardless the New Day or money, what position of the card they are in, and they've climbed out of the mid-card before, you know, or even, even kind of the, the, the bottom of the card at that point too, you know. I think that the New Day are too too valuable to leave my company, but then the Bucks are also super fucking valuable. But the thing about the Bucks is I'm releasing them and they're going to go start another AEW, you know, like that's, that's just what they do. They are, they had what? I know I watched BTE today and they said it again, seven soup Tokyo domes in the row. You know, they, they have made their success outside of the mainstream wrestling world. And that's why I would choose to release them is because I know in my company with these other two tag teams, two others that I have, you know, just been so fond of for such a long time. I, you know, my love for the Bucks has started relatively recently towards the end of their New Japan run and kind of now that AEW is this big global phenomenon that it is. Um, but I, I I have to, unfortunately, say release the Bucks, but I just know they're going to go AEW 2.0 or just do another seven Tokyo Domes in a row. Okay. Um, for me, this is tough. Um, you've heard me talk about the Young Bucks. Um, they're not my favorite, but I do. I love watching them, like, pay-per-view matches. They always have some of my favorite pay-per-view matches. I think two of my favorite all-time AEW matches so far include the Young Bucks. I love watching pay-per-views. Their matches on TV, a lot of times, I feel like they force things more so, even more so. Then on the pay-per-views, like, force moves that just seem... I can't really suspend my belief. And it's less, like, amazing and more stupid. Um, and then on pay-per-views, I feel like their matches can go too long. But most of the time, I don't care because they're so good. And characters, I don't really like them as faces. And heels, um, a little more entertaining, but I still don't love them in the mic. Now... It makes it seem like I'm going to release them, but I'm not. And this is why. Uh, when I was a kid, Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, the Hardy Boys, they were my favorites. Well, two of my favorites. Like, I loved them. They were two of my first action figures I bought. Um, I'd always just have my little, like, uh, WWE Championship with Matt Hardy because Matt Hardy was my boy. And then him and Jeff would always feud over it. And I'd throw John Cena in there. I love Booker T. I'm a Booker T action figure and such. But, um... When it has, I got older, I still love watching their classic matches. I still love them in the ring. And when I saw Jeff Hardy live, uh, 
you know, it was like we a couple weeks ago. I was cheering for Hardy. I love him. But um, I think Jeff Hardy's not the best in the mic. <laughs> I know that more now. And uh, Matt Hardy's a good character, but now I'm not like as interested in him as I used to be. And I think I'd push the New Day because I think they're the complete package on both sides. And um, any three of them, I think, can be in the top scene. Well, Kofi and Biggie, I, I think, would work too. But that's a hot take. Uh, Young Bucks had job just because I feel like of the three teams, the Young Bucks just, they're so good in the ring. They just put on so many classics. I have to have them in my company. And I think, yeah, the Hardys in their prime, oh, they are too, because WrestleMania 17 and the TLC match before that too. Um, and so many other matches. Um, so it's tough. I think I still I edge it to Young Bucks because I know it might seem like a recency bias, me going with the Young Bucks saying they're better in the ring, but it's not. It's just like uh, their match with Kenny and Hangman was just beautiful. It's one of my favorite tag team matches all time. And then they had another class recently all out against the Lucha Bros. I think those two matches, I think both those tag team matches I like more than WrestleMania 17 triple threat uh, ladder match, um, which is tough because that's an all-time classic tag match. But yeah, I think I uh, job the Young Bucks, release the Hardys, and I push the New Day. And now I will transition to our next push job release, and I'll just, I'll just, uh, I was actually gonna go, but I can't. I need to think about this. <laughs> so, so. Uh, I'll say the names and you can go, Billy. It's uh, Sami Zayn, Eddie Kingston, and MJF. My, I came up with this one, and my thought process was just dudes that are fire on the mic. Dudes that we have put over heavily on this podcast as well. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I'm pushing MJF. That's... Uh, that's that's a fact i i'm not even gonna second guess that like we've said plenty of times in the past and i've said it too this dude is the future of heels in professional wrestling he lives the gimmick he is the gimmick he does it so damn well he's so damn good on the mic and although i think his ring work out of the three is probably the worst i just think his character work is the best and it's kind of like a rick flair in a sense of you know, his character is larger than life. Yeah, they can go in the ring enough where if you give him a good dance partner, they're going to have a good match. Not to say Ric Flair wasn't good, because I do honestly do believe that Ric Flair is legit one of the greatest of all time. But, you know, I, I think MJF is on that road of, you know, he's going to get used to having his shit that he does as a heel in the match. And he's going to eventually get beaten by, you know, my, my company's big baby face, you know, if he's a heel champion for a while or if he's just running rough shot on, you know, the upper card. And I think that it's it, it would be silly to not put MJF in any other position in this push job release than push just, again, because he's so young and he's so talented at, at just a, his age that he is. What, 30? Is he, is he 30 or 31? I, I feel like he might be younger than that. Because I know I wanted to put him on the uh, Young Stud Spotlight but I do believe that he is. He is 25. MDF. Oh, he's 25. Wow. Okay. So he can still be on the Young Stud Spotlight. 
Nice. I was gonna put him on it this week, but I thought I read something that he was. Uh, you want to know who I was looking at? Wardlow. That's what I. That's who I was thinking of. Wardlow is is I think thirty three. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, but twenty five, man. Like I again, I I just assumed he he was around for longer than that. Then clearly, it's it, it's it's insane being a twenty five year old person. I'm a twenty five year old person, and I'm praising this dude. Like <laughs> like this dude. I'm I'm giving him comparisons to like Chris Jericho and Ric Flair. Like that's. That's generational talent. And, you know, I, I, again, I just think it's silly not to push it. In terms of jobbing and releasing these other two guys, because these two guys are my fucking boys. Oh, Eddie Kingston and Sami Zayn. I think that I am jobbing Eddie just because, again, he's so good on the mic, man. And his in-ring skills are just top notch. He's, he's a guy that I keep my mid card to elevate people to my upper card, you know, give, give my, give my young guys a feud with Eddie Kingston and for, you know, maybe a mid card, lower card match. And they'll, they'll, they'll knock it out of the park. I mean, all you need is for Eddie to cut one promo on a guy and just have them have an after match brawl or after segment brawl. And the match is set for next week. You know, it doesn't matter where on the card you put him. I know he's in my job position, so I'm keeping him mid-card, lower mid-card under. But, you know, again, he is just the guy that's going to elevate talent. And I do believe the same thing about Sami Zayn. I think that they are honestly interchangeable in that fact. But the thing about Sami is I think Sami has, at this point, gotten a little older, gotten a little, you know, I I don't want to necessarily say, you know, I, I out of touch per se, but he, he's had his injuries, you know, he's been off, off TV, on TV, you know, the whole COVID thing. I know he was very spoken out about, and you know, again, he's completely entitled to his opinion. I completely respect that he chose not to go to WWE during these times. And to be honest, I don't know if I would have wanted to either if I was in this position, but you know, I, I think that Sammy is just, Better off somewhere else for how I always position my fantasy company of focusing on the younger generation, focusing on guys getting built up and being the best. And I'm not saying Sammy still can't do that, but, you know, did get drafted last. So so this one, uh, I feel like my push job releases, I usually go with um, young, the younger talent that can stick around longer and also the people that are really marketable to fans more. I'm going all hard here. I'm going to my face, and I will defend it. Uh, I'm pushing Sami Zayn. Um, this is tough, but thing about pushing my star, I want a star that I can, I can have, be a top babyface or a top heel. He can be that manipulative, strategic, um, top heel that just stays at the top through just his brilliant mind. And he just has great promo spell skills, and he's awesome in the ring. But he he can also be the face. He can be that. He doesn't have the ideal look, so he can be that underdog, scrappy face as well, and still be fire on the mic. Um, Sami Zayn is just one of my favorites. Um, I uh, I'm a huge Sami Zayn mark. Uh, also a huge fan of his just um, as a person. He's the Sami for Syria. Foundation I own is just a great um, organization, and just like I do agree with his decisions of um, sticking away from WWE during COVID. And I'm a huge fan of Sami Zayn, and I'd push him to be top guy in the company despite being um, 37. 
the second oldest of these three. Uh, this is tough. I love all three of these guys. Eddie and Sammy are two of my uh, favorites currently. I love watching them both. They're just so good in the mic, and they're just uh, my eyes just gravitate gravitate to them when they're on my TV and when I'm there live. It's just, like they're awesome. Uh, MJF too. He's a, a mega heel, a great heel. And I, the reason I didn't choose to push MJF is because I feel like he is so hated that you could never turn a face. And I want a top guy that I can transition either way. Cause I think a big thing about being a megastar and a top upper card is a, some of the biggest wrestling moments are turns, face and heel turns, and guys having multiple of both of those. Like Stone Cold's having face and heel turns in The Rock as well. And I, I feel like MJF can only be heel because he's just that hated. So I, I job MJF and have him just be like uh, a mid-card champion most of the time and a gatekeeper and just that hated heel. Uh, it, really a similar role to what WWE treats Sammy, <laughs> uh, which is ironic. Uh, I'd release Eddie. He is the oldest of the three. I, I hate saying those words because I don't want to do it, but um, he'd go to AW and succeed, or another company succeed, hopefully. Uh, just bring him hard. I don't want to release him. I don't want to release him. I love this man. He's so good. But uh, the, the part of this segment is putting our GM hats on, our owner hats on, and making tough decisions that we don't want to make but have to make. And I'd have to release Eddie Kingston. <laughs> that, that was tough. <laughs> Let's move on before I cry. <laughs> now it is time for another recurring segment. We're all about recurring segments, I I love that. We will go into the young stud or the young studette spotlight, where we showcase a wrestler who is under the age of 29 or at the age of 29, too. And we just give them praise. We talk about what they've done, where we think they'll go, and whatever else comes to mind about them. Juice, do you want to start us off with who are you are putting under the young stud spotlight tonight? Yeah. So mine is, um, she is 29. She just turned 29 in September. I um, she was the NXT UK Women's Champion recently. Um, and is Kay Lee Ray. She's NXT right now. And um, she, I was hoping she'd just go straight to the main roster. I think she is fire. She is a great heel, but I think she could be a, a face as well. Um, she is just electric in the ring. She's one of the best women's wrestlers technically right now. And also, she just has it. She has it. She's such a good presence. Um, she's a star. Um, she's going to do great things in wrestling and won a couple mat. I'll, I'll say a match, uh, watch of hers is her versus Maiko Satamara the first time for the NXT UK Women's Championship. They fought twice for the title. The first time Kaylee Ray actually defended, which I was very shocked by. The second time Maiko did, uh, Mako did take the title away, um, both are great matches, but the first one was my favorite because Kaylee won. <laughs> That's really why. Uh, Billy, 
and he takes in Kaylee, or you can just go right into yours. Either, either way. Yeah, um, I I think that obviously she's impressive, record-setting reign. I have not seen too much of her. I saw, you know, a lot of her during, you know, the war game stuff. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with her, though. I I do truly believe that um, she is a young stud. I I really like her look. I really like, again, how she kind of carried herself as the NXT UK champion women's champion and you know i i do see big things on her horizon and it's crazy to look at you know if you look at her resume which i am looking at right now she started wrestling in 2009 which for those of you who want to do some math here she is 29 years old that is at the age of 17 she started wrestling that is pretty crazy to think that she's been wrestling since 2009. Like to me, 2009, I think of like middle school, like that's, that's when we were in middle school. And it's just like, to think that, that she's been wrestling as long as like, I've been out of middle school. Like that just to me, doesn't seem like a lot of time does seem like a lot of time at the same time. And to think she's only 29, just freshly turned 29 too. Her birthday is on August 11th of 1992. That's, that's impressive, man. To be also be such a record-setting reigning champion in a WWE branded show, like that's that's crazy. I didn't realize she was wrestling since seventeen, but that makes sense. It seems like a lot of wrestlers start like it seems like the age is sixteen or seventeen that you're allowed to like train in a lot of wrestling schools, and a lot of them do that. And I think Rey Mysterio trained when he was like even younger, since he's from a wrestling family. Definitely is someone to watch. I recommend uh, the match I suggested, or just you know taking a dive into Kaylee Ray matches. Um, it's easy to find in the network. Well, it's not easy to find the network. It's kind of tough to manage. But, um, you know, you can find the matches, not just from her matches in NXT, but they have some of her progress matches, too, and um, a couple other matches. And YouTube, you can deep dive as well. So, Billy, let's go into yours, because I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, this uh, young wrestler as well. Yes, yeah, so the, the young stud spotlight actually gets put on the studettes tonight as I am choosing Anna Jay to come under the spotlight tonight. Uh, Anna Jay is a 23-year-old wrestler. Again, so crazy, like just so good for 23, man. Um, you know, she's she made her first appearance going against Sheeta in a singles match, and then, uh, you know, the company announced that they were signing her within the same month. Uh, you know, that, and for anybody who hasn't seen that match, it was a good showing, good little uh, way to introduce her to the AEW crowd. And then from there, she goes into getting into the Dark Order, teaming up with Tay Conte. And, you know, it's it, it, it's just progressed from there. I, I I think that her look is phenomenal. You know, like she, she kind of has like that little, I don't want to call it a wrestling bitch face, but, you know, she just kind of has like that intimidating look for a woman. You know, like like you just see her and you think, holy shit, like, I don't want to know if I want to get in a fight with this chick. Her antics with the Dark Order, I think, are great, too. You know, I, I think that, you know, following, you know, Brody's passing and everything, I know she's kind of taken a little bit of a step away from them, but I like how they've told the story that, like, she's in the Dark Order, but, like, not in the Dark Order necessarily. Uh, and then her on BTE, I also think, is hilarious. I always thought that her segments with the Dark Order was just so funny because, 
you know, you'd have Brody just be belittling the Dark Order in the background, and she'd just be sitting there, like, no-selling the whole thing. Meanwhile, like, half the other guys in the Dark Order are all, like, covering their faces and trying to, like, laugh. But, like, you can tell, like, she she takes her character seriously. She takes her in-ring work seriously, you know. Again, I'm not going to say she's perfect. Like, you know, a lot of the young stars are, you know, not perfect. Being 23, again, you, she started wrestling in 2018. It, only three years of experience really under her belt and she's already you know i, I don't want to call her a, a mainstay on a on the main AEW programming but she really is especially team no i mean you know their their women's tag team i thought has been really good so far i think that both of them have great chemistry with each other and a lot of the other women on the roster as well i think she has great chemistry with so you know i i think that if AEW is looking for her to kind of be a quote-unquote homegrown talent for their women's division you know she's one of the best for them to have yeah, um, she, I didn't realize she was 23. I knew she was young because I knew I knew Ty Conti's young because I'm I'm a big fan of Ty ever since she was with NXT. But um, and I thought she was like 24, 25. But um, wow, uh, she's got a bright future. Uh, she's already getting huge pops. Like I remember when she returned from her injury right before All Out, she got a massive pop, and I was so happy for it too. And I was like, I was watching it. Uh, my dad's next to me. He's not. He doesn't love wrestling, but he usually watches with me anyways at night. You know, after he gets to work, he'll just, you know, it's on. He'll stay and watch. And um, Ty was getting attacked. And I'm like, oh, this could be Anna Jay coming back. Anna Jay's going to come back. And she does. She came out. She got a massive pop. I didn't expect a pop to be that, that big. Uh, she's awesome. She, she has so much potential in the ring. She got the it factor, too. Like, you just want to watch her. Um, she's she's got the good she's got the presence she got the it the it factor um and her relationship with dark lord and ty is just so fun uh she's got comedy she's serious she's the queen slayer and i am a big fan of the queen slayer and i look forward to see what her future entails <laughs> Juice, as the people know, and if you don't know, you guys should go check out the mock draft that Juice did prior to uh, WWE doing their draft uh, earlier this week and last week. Juice, what did you think of the WWE draft? What are some of your takeaways? Um, I was mad that Liv Morgan wasn't drafted because I feel like when people don't get drafted, it just makes me think that they're not a priority. To booking and I feel like she should be and I really think they need to thrust her in the upper card as I said earlier in the podcast um another takeaway was I knew that there's some call-ups were going to happen in NXT and some of them uh, most of them that were like predicted happened with the exception of Dakota Kai I heard Dakota Kai was going to be drafted and she was not but then she tweeted that she was a free agent so she might still appear at some point just not in draft yeah, it was, it was more people than I expected. Like, I, I thought Gable Stevenson would be in NXT before the main roster, but he's going straight to Raw. Hit Row, I expected. Uh, even before the reports came out, I expected it. Even with Isaiah Swerve Scott holding the North American title, I expected it. Um, and I hope he has a title match with Escobar, uh, like, next week, and then Escobar wins because put the belt on that man, make Legato the new Hit Row. Uh, no, make Legato the new Undisputed Era and push Hit Row on the main roster. Them on SmackDown is money. Make them involved. 
and keep them heels. I feel like they might turn them face because uh, they like to think that we're dumb. <laughs> like WWE uh, insults our intelligence as fans sometimes. So don't do that. Make them heels. Make Hit Row a top heel faction. Uh, put Isaiah Swerve in a rivalry with Shinsuke for the Intercontinental title. And then next takeaway is Austin Theory got drafted. That was someone I actually almost drafted in our draft instead of Cameron Grimes, but I decided not to because um, I just love his little – and actually you drafted him because you drafted the way. <laughs> so you did draft him. Uh, he did go in our draft. They also did – so he debuted this Monday, and he came out, and he was – um all smiley and stuff. And I was like, oh, he's going to be the dumb, funny, the way gimmick. That's awesome. Uh, but no, he was like taking selfies and he was fanboying out Jeff Hardy. And then like, I'm like, okay, so this is like a mix of that and Tyler Breeze's old gimmick. <laughs> and then no, he attacked Jeff Hardy and was a heel again. And then commentary team was like, oh, this uh, his first time ever on Raw. <laughs> he attacked um, Jeff Hardy. Um, and I'm like, well, it's not his first time around. <laughs> You're insulting her intelligence because like a year and a half, not a year and a half ago, if even, he was in the main roster. And most of the time he was on Raw. He was aligned with Garza, Zelina Vega, and um, Andrade. And then after that, he became a disciple with Buddy Murphy under the tutelage of Seth Rollins. So he's been on the main roster. Don't insult her intelligence. Just say he's back. But they didn't. Um, I didn't like that choice. I did like him getting drafted. <laughs> um, and I do like Austin Theory as a wrestler. Um, yeah, so a lot happened. Um, I heard Azalee Lee was getting called up, but I was hoping it wasn't true because I don't think she's ready yet. Well, that's not true. I think she's ready in the ring. I just don't think there's anything to do with her in the main roster. And she'd be better with Tian Shah, but there really wasn't much to do with her next tea. So I just don't know if WWE knows what to do with Xia Um I hope she doesn't just become the next Kyra Sane. Um, or just a lot of NXT talent, both women and men, that gets buried. But I feel like that might be in her future. Um, yeah, so the, the, most of my takes are relating to the newer talent. Um, I mean, I have other thoughts, but I want you to talk. Because this is a podcast where we are equals. So, Billy, take it away with some of your takes. I, I, hey, I was going to let you go. Let's you sing till the cows come home. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of the things you said, actually. One thing I want to say um, WWE, why do you have to split up the new day? Like, it just hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts hurts it's ridiculous it's ridiculous how can you give us three weeks of building up to the hurt business versus the new day and yeah i know the effects don't go into place till after crown jewel billy but why would you not make that your main event feud you get shoutlin and cedric in a tag team match with xavier and kofi and they, like, let them tear the house down. You know Shelton is a good hand. You know Xavier and, and Kofi are amazing at tag team wrestling. And let Cedric shine. Let the New Day get got over. Like, let Cedric be the one who pins Woods or something like that, you know? Like, like let, let them 
let let the let it breathe WWE. Don't shake things up for the sake of shaking things up. That's one of the biggest things we said before the draft is just it was a thing that wasn't broken. And I and I am completely understanding if the the ideology of it was well we don't want to take away from Biggie having his moment. Cool, fine, whatever. But it doesn't need to happen like that. At least have them on the same brand. Like, let E continue to have his Wale music and enter on his own and then just occasionally be there with the New Day. Like, you know, like the New Day even does that with itself in general, too, when Kofi was even the champion. They let Kofi fight himself. They were never on the ringside antics, anything like that. You know, like they let Kofi have his matches. Like, that's that's what E's reign should have been like, too. I'm not saying it should be modeled after Kofi's necessarily, but I just don't get it. It just really makes no sense. It seemed like that WWE had like faction warfare coming and ready to go. Now that Hit Row, especially as, as part of WWE's main roster as well, you know, like there was a lot of good factions. And hell, AJ Styles and Finn Balor are on the same show now too. Like, why not? Why not? Like, I just <laughs> I don't know. But I, I digress. Like you said, just I don't I don't want to continue to just eat up time talking about things that I can't change, but I think that the Austin Theory himbo, heel himbo character is awesome. I, I just think that he's really funny. And I know, you know, I, I've seen a couple of his matches from his indie days just because people have always said Austin Theory is the guy you got to look for. He's the guy on the next up and coming rising star. And, you know, I think his time in NXT kind of proved that he had some some claim to that claim. And, you know, otherwise, I think the draft was interesting in the sense of it seems like Raw is stacked. And SmackDown, I saw that I saw a post on a forum today saying Fox really doesn't give a shit about SmackDown now that football's back. <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting though. I mean, you know, the, the top card really for SmackDown right now is Roman and Drew. You could put Kofi in there if you really wanted to. You'd have to build up Jeff Hardy extremely. And same thing kind of with Sheamus, Cesaro, and Nakamura. And Sami Zayn at that point too. You know, a lot of the guys that are there for their top card talent just need a lot built up for them. And having, you know, somebody like Swerve Scott be a, a mid-card champion. But, like, who else is your mid-card at that point? Otherwise, you're going to have, like, four guys in your upper card, four guys in your mid-card, and the rest are just kind of tag teams or, you know, undercard guys. I'm interested to see what direction SmackDown turns to. I feel like this this kind of could have the 2016 SmackDown feels to it, you know, where it was just really those six guys, you know, those five, six guys carrying the brand for quite a, quite a while. And I don't know. I, I, I don't want to discredit it because I've always been a SmackDown guy over a Raw guy, even though I chose Raw in our uh, draft. But, you know, I, I've always been a fan of SmackDown. So I just don't want to see SmackDown falter. I think that the women's division in SmackDown is going to be really good. Um, you know, Charlotte, Naomi, Sasha, Shayna, you know, Zia Lee, Aaliyah, you know, Natalia too, you know, not really, not really big or sold on them. But, you know, Tony is there, Shotzi is there, B-Fab, you know, again, I have never really have seen too much B-Fab outside of, you know, just stuff with Hit Row. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with her. It, you know, those are some big names she's with too. I think how the women got split up, I'm very happy with. I think that there's a pretty good distribution of the women. But the men, I just think is weird how many superstars Raw got comparatively. Also, it's interesting to note that um, two big names did not get drafted. 
Well, uh, did Oscar? I know Bailey didn't get drafted. Did, Oscar didn't either, right? Uh, what I am looking at now, it does not say Oscar's name on either Raw or SmackDown. Those are two big free agents. When they return, uh, will be big like surprise. I'm excited for those um, because they'll they'll either one of those will add a lot to roster. Also, I'm hoping that Dakota Kai does appear. I know I I talked to SmackDown not the biggest Dakota Kai fan, but she's a good character. I just like um I think it's mainly in the ring. I think it's just uh repetitive like her, her matches to me just feels like it's all kicks but she tells a good story she's a good character she's good chemistry with most people in the ring so i, I think she will be a good addition especially with this uh new sh- different um women's roster in both brands uh, i'm just hoping that keegan knox and shotzi now that they're split up um i hope they I feel like they're not going to be very much used for a while, but I hope they are. I, like, I want to see them get at least one ti- – each of them get w- at least one title match that goes longer than 10 minutes this year. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. And that's not asking for much, I think. <laughs> I'm not asking them for them to win the title. I mean, if Shotzi wins the title, or even Tegan, especially Shotzi, though, I'll freak out because I love Shotzi. Um, I love Tegan too, but uh, Shotzi's like one of my favorites in WWE women's roster right now. I think Cesaro being in SmackDown makes me think that there's still hope of us getting his push. <laughs> I'm still praying for it. <laughs> and one of our one of our kind of good takes from the draft, I thought, was uh, Sheamus and Cesaro being on the same brand again. Which I do believe that's true, right? Uh, yeah, he's they're both. On yes, they are both on SmackDown. Thank you. I, I knew I saw Seamus's name on this list, so gotta get the band back together too. Makes yeah, us all you, a bad you guy. Called it. That that'd be good too. I I think I don't want that to happen because I want Cesaro to stay face, and I want uh, I I I think Cesaro is the perfect person to finally be the person to beat Roman Reigns. Um, I think he's better, can be better in the mic than WWE and fans give him credit for. I've seen him talk and amuse us all on Up, Up, Down, Down. <laughs> I think if you let him roll on the mic, he'll shock you. And then in the ring, everyone knows how good he is in the ring. And him and Reigns burned the house down at a backlash last year in that main event. And I knew he wasn't going to beat Reigns, but I was hoping for it. And if he's the one to finally end the reign of Reigns, uh, the pop for me, well, the pop from the crowd will be huge, but the pop for me, I can assure you, will be large. All right, and we will get into our final topic of the night here. And this is, again, another recurring segment, all about those segments right now. How would you book them where we wrap, where we strap on? our fantasy booking hats for storyline dreams. And so a writing team will hire us. Juice, you were the one that brought this fantasy booking situation to the table tonight. So uh, I know you and I, again, talking offline, you said that you had some ideas for this. I I would love to hear it. As we speak, NXT just ended um, like this week's episode and Tony D'Angelo had his debut. So, um, you know, we'll see if there's already a few in the works. It's all about 
the fantasy booking is how we would book Tony Daniels' first few in NXT. He is the um, newer talent. He His gimmick is the Italian mobster. And I am Italian. I'm a big fan of mob movies. And NXT has been a lot, very creative this past year and a half. And they've had, they have a lot of um, like these entertainment segments like the Gargano therapy, Loomis in a indie love like stuff that's not in the ring. Like, you know, and uh, Cameron Grimes like working in LA Knight's home and stuff like that, all these creative segments. This first feud would involve creative segments a lot that are mafia movie influenced. Uh, if you're not a fan of those movies, you'll, if you, and this feud happened, you definitely get a chuckle out of it. And also, it would be a heel versus heel feud. Tony, I assume, will be a heel. <laughs> it would be weird if the character was not a heel. <laughs> and he would be, in my uh, fancy book, he'd be feuding with LA Knight. LA Knight has already been creative storyline with Cameron Grimes, which is, I love. That's one of my favorite storylines of the year. I, I've got cracked. The matches are good. And the fun stuff on NXT of them playing golf and Cameron Grimes hitting the ball was hilarious. So I think LA Knight would make this work again and I think this would be the highlight of this dude would be star power versus mob power who wins and two little comedy segments that would be used in this um storyline would be one is uh LA Knight wakes up after doing some dirty stuff to Tony Diano last week on NXT he'll wake up uh because Tony would do a promo where he said, oh, I got a nice surprise for ULA night for payback, and then I'll give you another surprise in the ring. But the first surprise that's not in the ring would uh, LA Knight's in his bed. He's in a huge match. He rolls over, and uh, he feels something wet in the bed. He peels up. There's blood, and there's a – well, there's not blood. We'll say I'm going to keep it PG. Uh, he, feels, he feels something, and it's, um, it's like inside of stuffed animal. And you see it, and it's a stuffed horse head. <laughs> like a toy animal stuffed horse head. And that is a godfather callback. And another little comedy segment that would be in the storyline would be uh, LA Knight is with some other heels of NXT. They're out in dinner in a restaurant. This is from Goodfellas inspired. And um, at one point, he tells a really bad joke in the uh, He's doing the big Ray Liotta laugh that is a big gif and meme now. You'll, you'll see it. Like, if you look up Ray Liotta or just, like, laughter, it's the eyes bulging out. Ha, 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 loud, obnoxious laughter. And uh, it would be Ellen Knight doing that, imitating that. And a couple heels are with him laughing, too. And then also Pete Dunne. I was going to say my original idea was Ridge Holland, but he's on the main roster now. But Pete Dunne's, like, just stone face, just, like, not laughing, the only one not laughing in this area and then at the end of his laughter a waiter comes over puts a receipt in front of LA Knight and LA Knight says what's this the bill I I asked for a champagne oh I asked for a martini freaking the helpers is useless and you hear the voice in his tone it's like nah that's not a bill that's a receipt <laughs> the week after he got attacked again and you turn around as LA Knight knows the voice he turns around Get slammed with the, the, the with a tray like a waiting tray, 
and they just brawl, and all the heels just stare them and laugh and cheer them on as Tony D'Angelo and LA Knight are brawling. This feud would just be a um, very physical feud and very comedy-based feud. Star power versus mob power. That's how to book Tony D'Angelo's first NXT feud. Plenty of uh, brawls, stipulate, uh, hardcore stipulation matches, and these comedy mob segments shouting out uh, mob classic movies. Damn. When is some high? When is some writing team going to hire you, Juice? You always are coming out here with these fire fantasy storylines. So again, that that sounds like good TV to me. I'm watching that if I'm not. I'm tuning in. My fantasy booking situation for Tony D'Angelo is a little bit different, but it's funny because it's similar. So you wanted to go the route of LA Knight. I wanted to go the route of Cameron Grimes. And I wanted the feud to more kind of go around the million dollar championship as, you know, Cameron and LA Knight had been having some sort of feud over. So my thing I'd want is for Tony to try and buy the championship off of him, you know, giving him things that had fallen off the truck, you know, telling him that he has vast, you know, he can make it, he make his wildest dreams come true. You know, he can try and maybe say that he has a beautiful woman or, you know, or man, or, you know, kind of like joking about not knowing what he might be into or, you know, um, you know, I, I think that how I would book it is Tony is only interested in the million dollar championship because, you know, mob, mob bosses want the nice, the nicest things, the finest things, you know, he wants to be able to give it to, uh, you know, give it to the family. He wants it to be in the family. So I, I very similar things to what you're saying though, you know, very comedic, you know, good, well done segments of, you know, like I said, things falling off the truck or, you know, maybe Cameron's walking with the belt somewhere and, you know, he just gets pulled into an alleyway and, you know, he just gets, just gets roughed up, you know, another, you know, they don't necessarily take the belt or anything. They just rough them up. And then, you know, you just see like two Italian looking dudes, like, you know, like, like you know, wipe their shirt and walk away. You could have like a good scene where, you know, maybe maybe that's like a day of the family wedding and Cameron Grimes just interrupts it because, you know, he's been interrupted so much on NXT TV or somewhere along those lines. But I, I would imagine that how I would have the, the feud end at some point is that Tony does end up getting the million dollar championship from Cameron Grimes. And then, uh, you know, a good way to kind of just write the, the title off of TV to at that point, it just kind of goes into the family and then... Uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo can always have that little feather under his cap as being the uh, last million-dollar champion. Okay. Uh, they kind of already did write the title off, but I, I do like that book. I know they did, but, like, I... I it's my fantasy book. No, I know. No, no, no. You, you have the right... <laughs> I, I, was, I was about to say again, like, you... It's fantasy booking. We can do whatever we want here. Um, and I actually do like that a lot. And uh, you know I'm a big Cameron Grimes guy. To the moon! Kiss my grits. Um, so, yeah, I like that as Tony's first feud. It makes it's a little easier in feud, too, because it's a heel versus face. And Tony versus LA Knight might get confusing. I know uh, some fans have an issue with heel versus heel feuds. I'm not one of those fans, obviously. But, yeah, um, these, are, these are fun ideas. I think that why I picked this to be the fantasy book, because I thought this is a fun one that we can get really creative with and not just be like, oh, the matches and 
these are the matches you can do and um you know back and forth that way but we could also add these like comedy segments too and like also anytime i can talk about italian mob movies or bring up the godfather which the godfather part two is one of my all time favorite movies i can bring up goodfellas i will <laughs> so yeah this is a fun uh, fancy book and this is uh becoming my favorite segment um I love the Wardlow one that you brought up last time. This one's a fun one. I'm sure we're both creative dudes. Got good minds for the business. We'll have plenty of fun ones. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, send in yours too if you have like ideas for this one specifically or just fancy booking in general. On Twitter, it's capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P. OD, yeah, tweet us your fancy books for this one, the Wardlow one, or just make up your own. Uh, we want to hear it. Um, I love the ideas of fans and like different takes people have on storylines and how they book certain things. Uh, it's what makes it's one of my favorite parts about wrestling, trying to guess feuds in real life or just booking it fancy wise. Yeah, it's awesome. So that ends how we book them for this week. A little uh, quick final thing before our conclusion and um tomorrow night well tomorrow night in our we're recording this on tuesday will come out friday um but tomorrow night real time is wednesday night dynamite and it's their two-year anniversary um they got some great matches this card and um i'm really excited to see serena d who's just killing it in the ring i think she's having the best thing with matches of any woman uh aw right now she's having a match with sheeta which should be it's it's sheeta's it would be sheeta's 50th win so i assume she has got one i kind of hope she doesn't i'd love Dean to just like ruin the 50 wins <laughs> uh but it's gonna be a great match either way i'm excited that's the match i'm excited most for um but there's another match i'm excited for which we're gonna make little predictions for and they're having a casino ladder match, which surprise that this isn't going to be at double or nothing um, in the future. This is usually like a pay-per-view gimmick match, kind of like their casino battle royale. But um, a lot, the winner gets a future AW World Championship opportunity. Um, Lance Archer, John Moxley, Hawk, Andrade um, are among some of the names in this match i know i'm missing a couple and there's also one joker um the joker's a surprise now a lot of people are thinking Hangman. hangman's my favorite AEW wrestler so i would love it to be hangman i actually think it is braun Strowman. <laughs> is this boy crying crying wolf because i've said this before <laughs> yes but i'm sticking with my guess i think it's braun I'll pop up the Tang Man. I won't be surprised with him, and I think that's a safe prediction. But I'm going bold. I'm thinking it's Braun Strowman as the Joker. Um, I know it, it, seeing another debut happening, it's getting a little crowded, and they only have three hours of uh, television time, not counting the uh, YouTube shows. Yeah, it's bold, but I'm going. I'm going Braun here in a debut. Yeah, I I think that the joke personally, I don't see it being anybody but Hangman. Uh, I think that. The, the elite are hot right now and you know fans are clamoring for hangman to come back you know i i definitely want him to take the time and you know return when at his leisure 
Um, you know, I don't want his decision to be influenced by the fans really wanting him to come and, you know, interact with Adam Cole for the first time in years. And obviously, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the pop he'll get once he uh, confronts the elite once more. I, I like your suggestion for Braun. I think that that's a pretty interesting topic. Uh, do you think that he'll debut as Braun Strowman or do you think he'll debut under his real name, Adam Shearer? Or do you think that, uh, you know, he might go a new name? I think it will be Adam Shearer because um, he, he wrestled on uh, EC3 has, he's had two paper, mini, like mini pay-per-views on fight called uh, Free, Free the Narrative. Um, the first one had Cardona versus EC3 in the main event. And it's like EC3 faces off in the main event against a guy and puts them over and like um, it's all about giving them a chance to rewrite their story after leaving WWE and the second one was the past Saturday against uh, Adam and Adam I didn't watch the pay-per-view <laughs> I meant to but uh, pretty sure Adam won if I'm wrong I'm sorry guys but I did come clean today I didn't watch it but um yeah it, he did come it was booked as I'm sure I think it will. He that's will will be the name he debuts under. I'll probably just keep calling him Braun for a while, kind of like how I call Brian Danielson Daniel Bryan, <laughs> or call Malachi Black Alistair. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I think that that's a good shout though. I I I, I like how you said that you were going to be a boy prize wolf if it doesn't happen. But no, I I, I think it's interesting and definitely possible. Yeah, because this was this is like the second time I predicted Braun to come. <laughs> And it's not going to be the last because, like, I'm sure if he doesn't debut, uh, I'll probably say, like, Bounce Glory will have, like, a surprise match and, like or a surprise, like, contestant be in a match. I'll be like, oh, it's Braun Strowman. That's not Braun Strowman. <laughs> and then that's three in a row. And then, and then like, uh, a full gear, they'll be like, surprise, uh, another casino ladder match with another Joker. And I'm like, it's Braun Strowman. <laughs> that's Chris Hero. <laughs> Or the Royal Rumble comes. <laughs> I'm like, Braun Strowman's going to re-sign. <laughs> yeah, it would be funny if that becomes a thing. But I, It's going to be like those rumors that Carlito was coming back for every single uh, Royal Rumble there was after his release. And then eventually he did come back in one. Yeah, eventually if I keep guessing Braun Strowman coming for things, um, I'll be right. So. <laughs> yep, you know what they say. A broken clock is right twice a day. All right, Juice. Well... That does it for us here tonight on uh, Top of the Cage. Another great episode in the books. Do you have anything for the people before we jump off? I do not. Make sure you're watching wrestling. Make sure you follow us on socials and, you know, engage with us. We want uh, more social media engagement. For sure. And if you guys did not check out our interview with Chase Del Monte. Make sure you guys are checking out Chaotic. Make sure you guys check them out this Friday to Haunting in Tewksbury. And then also later this month, the 29th, where they will have not only Eddie Edwards, but Fandango too. So for Juice, I am Bill. And again, thank you guys for climbing to the top with us. This has been Top of the Cage. We are jumping off.